0: This is the Scott Radley Show podcast.
1: Welcome to the Scott Radley Show for this Friday. Glad you are along. Hope your day was better than the uh the guy out in Vermont t- this week who um well he he was convicted of a rather horrible heinous disgusting crime. Um but he of course he claimed innocence in this one. Uh he was convicted of um spraying a US Customs and Border Protection agent's car with liquid manure, (laughs) though he says it was entirely accidental that screaming at the border agent for letting illegals into the country had nothing to do with the fact that the hose then shot out and sprayed gallons of liquid manure all over this man's car. That was purely accidental and coincidental, the two things that happened. Anyway, he was convicted. I don't know who actually your day should be better than, the guy who was convicted or the poor border agent whose car was doused in liquid caca. But um, anyway, I hope your day was better than both of those guys and hope your weekend will be too. This is the Scott Radley Show. Glad you are along. As always, the first segment of the show is brought to you commercial free exclusively by fox40shop.com for sport and for safety. It has to be fox40shop.com. Enter the promo code Radley at checkout and you will get 25% off your order. Brightest panel on Hamilton Radio is coming up in just a moment. And wait till you hear who we have got in studio for the panel tonight. You know what I'm saying? Just wait. You want to hear this. You know these people. You know their names, if nothing else. You're going to want to hear what they have to say today. But first, your quiz question this evening. See how bright you are tonight. It's Friday. I know it's Friday of a weekend near the end of summer. I'm worried that maybe some brains have been shut down early, but we're going to take a chance on this one today. It is this. If you make an embarrassing mistake ever or you make some sort of you know horrendous misstep that usually usually we speak of it in a sort of more of a funny kind of thing. But if you make an embarrassing mistake, we often use which French phrase? It's French meaning false step to describe what just happened to you. You made a what? What is the two-word French phrase that we would fit in there? You made a what? If you make an embarrassing mistake, What French phrase, meaning false step, will we often apply to that? 905-645-3221, star 9900. Those are the numbers to call. Liz, Liz Russell is on the phone tonight. It's been a long time since Liz was, I was going to say drummed into working the evening, but was given the great opportunity to work an evening shift here on 900CHML. She will take your calls. And here's the exciting part. Brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. We're in the summer. I thought, what can we do for fun on a Friday in the summer? Who could we get on that we don't normally do that would be a little bit different? I thought, you know what we're going to do? There are some people that you hear their names all the time. Actually, all of them at one time or another have worked on this show. But you hear their names all the time, whether it's on Bill Kelly's show, whether it's on Scott Thompson's show, whether it's on my show. And they don't often get a chance to actually talk, or at least not much. Not offer much in the way of opinions. Well, we're going to change that tonight. So, the panel tonight, the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. I mentioned Liz Russell, who has been an operator here. She's now producer for Bill Kelly and Scott Thompson's show. Liz is going to be seat number one. Uh, Next to her, sort of. She's in the other room, but next to her. A guy who you might know him as Jake the Snake. At least he was when he was on Scott Thompson's show. Now, I don't know what Bill Kelly calls you now. Just Jake? Yeah, it's just Jake these days. Just Jake. Uh, Jacob Smith who is now the operator for Bill Kelly. You hear Bill talk about Jake or Jacob all the time. Jacob, thanks for coming in and doing this. Thank you for having me. And next to him, a guy who until recently was on here all the time because uh, he was the operator for a long time here on the show, and then uh, he got to move into daylight hours.
2: (laughs) That Uh, was really nice. It was
1: probably pretty nice. Uh, A man who less than a month from now, Will be married, so we had to get him one more well, time before he loses to be, his bachelor status. To be clear, well, at least it, we is, it
0: is a little over a month still.
1: Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say there was something that happened. This no, show. no, no, no,
0: nothing's happened. No, it's still, uh, it's still about a uh, six weeks from from tomorrow. About six weeks, exactly. Is it really six weeks. that long?
1: Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was <laughs> it sooner d- than it that. It does
0: not feel that long uh, when you're sitting in my seat. <laughs> no, no
1: b- I've been there. I've been there. But I, this is uh, Luke Vermeer, by the way. Just yes. uh, if you're wondering who the third is. And now Liz is off the phone after taking some calls for the quiz. And uh, Liz Russell, thanks for doing this tonight. Hey, no problem. Why don't I throw you guys in the deep end right off the bat? Let's uh, let's see what you got right away. We have heard lots and lots and lots and lots over the past week, week and a half, two weeks, whatever it is, about everything that's been happening in the States. And now we are hearing and seeing these stories of all the statues that are being pulled down, the Confederate statues, other statues. There are complaints about statues. People are either having cities take them down, or people are now mounting statues themselves and trying to pull them down because they disagree with either the person in the statue or the general concept, the Confederacy, whatever else. Should we be taking down? I'll start with you, Luke. You're the most recent on this show. Should we Hmm. be? Should we? And when I say we, I mean... The people, and and the states, Canada, whatever, should we be, if there is a statue of someone who represents or has represented something that in today's world we disagree with, should we be removing those statues?
0: Uh, I, I'd say to a point, yes. I, I I agree with the idea of the Confederate statues coming down for the simple fact that a lot of them, people like to say, oh, it's history, and you don't want to forget about history. And they're, they've they stood for however long. Most of them haven't. Most of them are really recent, the Confederate statues. They are basically, a lot of them trace their history back to the 60s when they were put up during the Jim Crow racial segregation era simply to to promote, I guess, the Confederate agenda. So I don't have a problem with those coming down. I see. I've seen people say, "Well, we should take down Christopher Columbus statues." I heard too. that this week. I don't know about that. I get, I get what they're saying. He was uh, a person who introduced genocide to the to a lot of uh, a lot of different races. But he, they're they're not put up to memorialize that. They're put the statues of him are put up to memorialize the quote unquote discovery of of the new world. So I think there's sort of a line, and it kind of is a case by case basis with
3: statues.
1: What do you think, Jacob?
3: Well, the statues, of course, were put up, 40s, 50s, 60s, as Luke brought up, specifically to counter civil liberties. They have a political history, a political history that people are still alive to remember. I ultimately sympathize with them being taken down. However, there is the historical preservation aspect. I was just at the ROM last weekend. Interestingly enough, they currently have an exhibit on Auschwitz, of all things, and that was particularly relevant after the events of Charlottesville. But despite how horrible it is... My question is, Is if we want these statues out of public view, that's fine. Ultimately, generations in the future will want to remember that these statues existed, that this history happened, and that it is still somehow still relevant to politics all these years later after the Civil War. And my question is, is I know we want to tear them down in anger. That's the satisfying thing to do. That's the sign of we disagree. But part of me thinks a decade from now, two decades, three decades, if I'm that optimistic— I actually want to see it in a museum to remember, hey, that used to be a thing, and this is when society decided to change. Well, Liz, there is a
1: very, we use this phrase all the time, those who ignore history are bound to repeat it. If you take all these statues down, regardless of the reason that they stood, do we not run the risk of, as Jacob says, for other generations, they now forget about this? Again, even if the statues were standing for something you disagree with, do they not serve a purpose?
2: I have to answer the phone shortly, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm kind of in the same agreement as Jacob. I think that, you know, we do need to, as much as we have history that is really, really bad, there's some good, and we need to talk about both. And I think with this conversation, like this is a conversation that needs to be had. I'm sorry. The phone is really distracting me right now. <laughs> Go ahead. But okay, so I just want
0: to point out I don't in. miss uh, sitting Doing on the there? other side no. and listening to that <laughs> phone,
1: phone while I'm trying to talk. So uh, sorry, Liz. I'm glad it's you, not me. Today. But Luke, you mentioned the Christopher Columbus. Okay. Yeah. So Christ- you're right. Christopher Columbus's statue is not up for that purpose. But as you point out, there are those who say he came over and that led to a genocide of indigenous people. We have heard in recent days, Andrew Jackson, who was a slave owner, that all all manifestations of Andrew Jackson in the United States should be taken down, uh, should be removed from public view and public display. We have heard in recent days, and you can go and look this up if you think that I'm exaggerating, there are those arguing now that any reflection, anything honoring George Washington, who was a slave owner, should come down, meaning I assume No more statues. No Washington D.C. No Washington. I mean, what about all the people who live in the states whose last name is Washington? That's a whole other point. But (laughs) but the issue here is where does where do you get to the where do you stop this? Where does the line get drawn? Because you could, if we are going to take down everything that anybody strongly disagrees with. Where, where does because there is something literally everything pretty much would have to come down because there's always somebody who disagrees with something
0: yeah i mean i think that's why there has to be a you have to kind of find the place where the line is and it it's interesting another common turn of phrase would be the uh, history is written by the winners and it's, it's quite odd i guess to see confederate statues because if if you look at other I'm, I'm not going to use world war ii because nobody would ever put up nazi statues I don't think Hope uh, ever but like for world war 1 do you see german statues of their their leaders from that war I I don't know the answer to that but my guess would be no and you certainly don't see uh british statues I guess to commemorate the war of independence down in the states so it's a little odd, I guess, the, the idea that we have to memorialize the Confederate uh, generals and, and important people in the Confederate uh, side in, in terms of statues. I agree with the, with the idea that we shouldn't forget about history and that there's a place to memorialize these things and that we have to remember that there were multiple sides. You can't just gloss over, and that's why things like an Auschwitz exhibit are very important, and that's why there's, it's still important to have uh, I guess, ways to look back at the Confederacy and what it stood for and, and remember why things went wrong. but I don 't know that
1: statues is necessarily the thing that has to well, th- that it has to be. OK, Jacob, let me go a, st- a different step then. If we don't have statues, we do have books that include still things about past times, uh, times gone past that are very unpopular and i 've talked about this on this show a number of times uh, to kill a mockingbird. Includes language that we would not want people using today, but that book reflects a time. And if you were to suddenly say, we have to get rid of that book because that cannot be in the public sphere because it's offensive to us. And every time we read it, we are offended. To my way of thinking, you are removing something that is a teaching tool and is a reminder of what has happened. Getting rid of a book like To Kill a Mockingbird
3: might prevent some people from being offended by hearing a certain word, but I don't think it's helpful. Well, it's still within memory of the time when we used to ban books that we didn't like. In many states, many books are still banned. This is slowly being reversed, but ultimately, it's still a history that we have to deal with. I I think the ultimate problem here is that politics is tied to the Confederate statues. When you talk about Christopher Columbus, he had his genocides. His history is absolutely despicable from any historical viewpoint. However, we don't actually align our politics with the views of Christopher Columbus or anything that he did. It's a memory of him exploring the new world and remembering the tragic things that happened to let sep- us where we are but today. But there are
1: those arguing you can't separate the two. We just had in Canada, we just had Langevin Block renamed because they said that he was part of the residential school program. Therefore, we can no longer have that. He did a lot from everything I understand. He did a lot of positive things, but his connection to that made it untenable for a lot of people to say, I can't separate The good from the bad. So if we are truly going to take the position that these things that are so offensive to people must come down, Christopher Columbus must be obliterated from the American political and public sphere. There should be no more Columbus Day. There should be no statues to Christopher Columbus. I don't agree with that, but, that's, but I'm saying that's the logical conclusion of this thought process, is it not?
3: With the, rec- uh, with the residential schools, we recently had the Truth and Reconciliation Commission towards the end of 2015. And the idea of removing everything related to residential schools makes sense, because emotions, despite the program ending a while back, they're still relatively fresh. When it comes to Christopher Columbus, I'm not even sure if there's political motivation to even bother tearing down the statues. There is no anger. There is no rage, despite the tragedies that happen. Ultimately... We would have to get the people angry at Christopher Columbus for people to even care in the first place. If we were to tear down the statues of Christopher Columbus today, it wouldn't even make it in the paper, Scott. Oh well, under you, the, You'd
0: find people more outraged that they're tearing it down, I think, than yeah. you would be that would support the idea of taking
1: but, it down. But Liz, we were talking, you were on the phone, but we were talking a second ago about the idea that there are people who are lobbying right now that everything to do with George Washington should be wiped off the slate, that George Washington, because he was a slave owner, that he should not be representative of of anything in the States. I'm going to ask the same question I asked Jacob. Where does the line end? Where You start doing this, where do you actually say, okay, we've reached far enough? Because I, I, I hear what Luke is saying. I hear what Jacob is saying about the Confederate statues. There is a very good argument, I suppose, to be made for the Confederate statues coming down. But once you've done that, why... Would you not then, Liz, automatically say, we're just going to keep going with the things that are offensive and Washington would have to be gone?
2: I, to be quite honest, Scott, like this is something that I haven't really thought a bunch about, aside from this past week, because... Nobody has. No, it's not something well, that few. has... Well, yeah. Um, I mean, there's been movements up here in Canada with the removal of Cornwallis out in Nova Scotia. I actually had a caller just say, hey, mention that. Um, yeah. But I've seen that as well. Like, I just To me, I think the boundary is, is, you know... I don't know if there is one, because at the same time, we have to remember history, the good and the bad. That's my stance. And as much at, like I, I agree, like, I, oh, my gosh, at the end of the day, I agree with Jacob. It should be in a museum and it should like the good and the bad when the only example that I've got coming to my mind right now. And I know I'm rambling a little bit. um, And this kind of goes along with your To Kill a Mockingbird argument. Um, Warner Brothers, for example, when they had their old cartoons, they had, and they've now recently re-released them. They have that warning at the beginning saying, "Hey, this was
1: this, from a different this time." This was from a
2: different time, so people know that this was not good. But if you're going to watch it today, you need to understand that this was the thought process at the time. Maybe like. Maybe a warning, maybe, or a plaque or something on these statues that do stay up saying he, was, he did this, but this is what he did that was good mm. for George Washington, rather.
0: And I, and I think that's, that's the key, is that there's no, there's no real disclaimer, is the best way to put it, for these statues. It's just kind of, here it is, he was a great man. Like... I think there needs to be that this was made in a different time or like you don't see you don't see at, at any sort of Holocaust memorial or any sort of exhibit about the Nazis them just being like here they were this it, there's always a here they were and these are the horrible things that they did and that we have to remember this so we don't repeat it, it with the Confederate statues there's something different about it it's more of a glory uh, glorifying than it is a a trying to put history out there
1: for people to see well, well let me throw one Another thing at you about this, though, because in this excitement, let's call it excitement, in this fervor to tear down statues all over the place in the states, and that's what it is right now, it really is, I'm thinking back 10, 12, maybe 15 years ago, I can't remember how long ago it was, and almost everybody in North America that I can remember, in the West, frankly, was absolutely outraged when the Taliban went and started blowing up statues of historic places or whatever else, whether we agreed or disagreed, we said those were placed there and those were part of the history. And we were outraged that that was censorship. And that was the Taliban imposing their, their new view on something that existed. How is this different from that?
0: Well, I think that's where the, the history thing comes into effect. I think that's why the Confederate statues that went up in the 40s, 50s, 60s, those are not statues from that time that like like the historical artifacts that ISIS blew up when they went through in, in Iraq and, and Syria. I, to me, if there's a Confederate statue that dates back to the war... I can absolutely see the historical value in preserving it. But you'd be him.
1: unique in that. Most people would say, no, they, if it's a Confederate statue, it comes down. But, there's not a lot but of there's distinction.
0: A hist- there's a historical importance, I think, to the stuff that goes back there. But the ones that went up in the 40s, 50s, 60s, like Jacob said it, they were put up to make a, a political point about, uh, about the racial segregation laws at the time. So I don't see any historical value in keeping them up because they don't because I don't even think they act as a representation of that time. We have
1: much better representations of that time in our history. My concern with this whole thing is not that I have a bo- not that I have a dog in the fight about the Confederate statues. I don't care if the Confederate statues come down, quite honestly. It's once you've done this, where's the next step? And where's the next step? And do you, and and someone actually wrote this today and they were not being, or yesterday, I don't know, and they were not being ironic, they were not being facetious, that some of the faces should be blasted off Mount Rushmore. And I'm like, wait a second, where where does the whole idea then end of who is offended by what and what's going to come down? And that to me, that's the problem with this. Once you start tearing stuff down,
3: What's the lo- the line keeps moving, and where does the line end? I think it's ultimately related to the political activism based behind these statues, with the KKK, with the neo-Nazi movement, with people who want to bring back the Confederacy. Uh, if you've been following the whole Charlottesville story and all the related stories coming out with it, you'll find tons of videos of people in in uh, Confederate uniforms with the Confederate flag actually standing there as counter protesters. Yell at them as they have tears down their face of, whoa, how I'm ultimately being shamed for what I believe to be the best thing for North America right now. There are people willing to stand up against crowds in order to stand in front of these statues to say, this is what I believe. This is what I see to be truth. Let me ask you one more, then.
1: Let me ask you one more. And we got to go to a break in a second. Let me ask you one more. If you go to Seattle today, there is a seven-foot statue in a public square of Lenin, Vladimir Lenin a man who was responsible for the killing of millions of people. Now, he falls on the far left of the political spectrum, which seems to be the favored class right now when it comes to statues, like, you know, the right statues, and that's what the Confederate is, and I'm not getting into the whole politics of the thing, but it seems as though if we are truly going to be tearing down statues of those who are responsible for slavery, deaths, killings, horrific things in society... How are the crowds not lining up to pull down the Lenin statue? And there's also apparently one in Los Angeles, there's one in New York in parks. How is that? How are those still standing?
0: That That's an odd one to me. I did not know that there were statues of Lenin in the United States. Uh, I would completely understand in Russia, and I would even support them staying up in Russia simply because, well, his body is there, and you can go see it if you want. But in the States, that's really weird to me, that there are people who want to memorialize... Vladimir Lenin. Like, it, it, to me, it would, because it would never happen that they would put up a Joseph Stalin statue. And, and I and, guess. And in the,
1: and in Russia, they're not putting up a Ronald Reagan statue right. or and, someone else. And
0: I guess Stalin is responsible, directly responsible for a lot more death than Lenin was, but it's still, it's still in the same vein. And I, and I mm-hmm. do not understand the rationale behind that. That's very, that's very odd to me. I, <laughs> I'm glad I know that now.
1: Yeah. No, the, um, there was a, a a small protest in Seattle yesterday of uh, people. Seven people came out to protest the Lenin statue. Uh,
0: seven dedicated people. And
1: they were mocked mercilessly on Twitter for showing up and demanding that the Lenin statue be taken down. And again, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be silly. I'm saying if the crowds are outraged and demanding that the Confederate statues come down, and I, again, I can understand that. How is it then cute or funny that Lenin statues are staying up again
3: where this is the problem where is the line what really confuses me here Scott is ultimately the left is somewhat miffed at Russia right now given the whole Russian inv- investigation in the United States but out left- of anyone it would be the left who would actually want that statue taken down
1: well except that who almost won the Democratic nomination to run for president last time not we are talking time.
0: about Bernie Sanders. Bernie yeah.
1: Sanders. And what did Bernie Sanders propose? A strongly socialist agenda. There is a large faction of the American left that glamorizes socialism pushing, in some cases, pushing a little harder than left than that. And that, is, don't forget, Seattle is not exactly a state that is not hard left, not just on the left coast. It's left mm-hmm. left. It, to me, it's an interesting discussion because, I, again, if, you're gonna, if we're going to start ripping down things, and it'll happen in Canada. There's no doubt that it'll happen more in Canada. We saw it with the Langevin Block. We saw it with what Liz pointed out. Um, th- we will see more of these things. And the debate is going to be where, what is acceptable to be torn down and what isn't. What is acceptable to be torn down and what isn't? And what happens if, what if we suddenly have a, uh, a, a statue? What if we find out that a Canadian prime minister what if what if we find out that Pearson did something that we didn't like? Well, that, I mean, that Sir, Sir John people? A.
0: Macdonald actually is the yeah. perfect example of that, right? That that that's a prime minister that people are already pointing out uh, it was not squeaky clean, and and so, so what do we see- do with that? Well, what do we do with that? I mean, you're seeing people who want to take down statues of him, and and he's. He, was he on the the five or yeah. whichever one? But is changed? he being taken off? Or no, it's uh, is it Laurier? No, it was him. Sorry, you're being right. taken it, was, off. it was Laurier who was taken off. But there, there's a there's a push to take him off the money. There's a push to take off the things that are named after him because you know he's.
1: If we want to take everything away for everyone who has ever done anything that we in today's world, and uh, uh, look. This is that we we need more time than this. We don't have more time. This is not defending slavery in any way, shape, or form. I'm not defending slavery. I'm not arguing somehow that slavery was good. I'm not suggesting we should go back to slavery. Nothing about slavery is something we want to revisit. But we are also a long time away from a different time and place. And it always troubles me when we try to apply today's sensibilities and political viewpoints back then. It doesn't, again, it doesn't say that keeping slaves was a good thing. It's just more complicated than simply saying, we live this way today, therefore they must be evil, tear down their statues. It's it's more complicated than simply applying today's viewpoints back then. We will, I'm sure, talk about this more later, another night.
0: You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML.
1: Now we're getting really complicated on Mashup Fridays. Outcast, ACDC, and Queen. It's a triple threat. And a, f-
0: and a lot more, actually, I should point out.
1: Oh, if we kept playing it, they were bringing in Celine Dion, <laughs> and Judy Garland makes an appearance at some point. I think Liberace does a piano solo partway through yep, that the one. Yeah, the
3: Penny Whistle solo from Titanic as well. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a long piece, let me tell you. Um... Quiz question. I forgot to give the quiz question at the start of this hour for those of you who tuned in to hear it. So here we go. Quiz question. If you make an embarrassing mistake, usually a funny one, like this is not a thing where your life is ruined, kind of a silly, embarrassing mistake. We often use a French phrase, meaning false step to describe it. What is that French phrase? Two words to describe a, an embarrassing mistake that you made. You made a what? Two words, French, meaning false step. 905-645-3221, star 9900. Those are the numbers to call Lisa, uh, Liz. Liz is waiting to hear from you. Whoa! Give her a shout. I almost said Lisa. <laughs> I got to tell you. I, have, I feel like you do that a lot. There I I ha- point out. Since I started doing this show four years ago, I have gone through more operators than... Elizabeth Taylor has gone through husbands. I don't know. I'm trying to come <laughs> up with a good. Uh, I, every. I, I go should, through a lot.
0: You should be going back to, to when you had the sports lounge.
1: Well, I, I am including that. Alyssa. Oh, okay. Alyssa. And I can't even remember Ashley, some of the people. Ashley Martins. Ashley. I forgot about Ashley. Jacob. Luke. Lisa. Liz. Dylan. 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 Uh, um, will, will, yeah, will. Who's on now? Whose name I forgot. <laughs> uh, and there's a few others that are in there as well. So it's understandable if sometimes, like, we're getting to the point where I'm almost now going to be doubling up and having the second person with the same name. It's just you know that that's, that's seems like it will probably happen statistically, and that will make it really <laughs> difficult for me. There is discussion. We saw a, an interesting story in the last week or so. That the city has decided that it is going to take a firmer stand, crack down a little bit on people who abuse bike lanes, people who park in bike lanes, people who get in the way of bike lanes, people who drive in bike lanes. They've got a specifically created now bylaw officer whose job it is to protect Bike lanes. Make sure that if you are a driver and you get your car into where it shouldn't be, you are going to get a ticket. We were talking about tickets on the roads before. You are going to get a ticket, they say, if you are messing with the bike lanes. Because this is the bike lanes, they are pushing very hard in this city to create a bike-friendly city. Jacob, let's flip it. Should we also be seeing fines for cyclists who break the law on the roads? If you're going to crack down on the cars for misbehaving in bike lanes, should cyclists who drive on the sidewalks, cyclists who run red lights, cyclists who terrorize people, pedestrians, whatever, should we
3: also be seeing tickets for them? Sorry, I was already under the impression that this happened in the first place.
1: If there is a cyclist in the city of Hamilton or beyond who has received a ticket for your bicycle riding in the last five years, call right now. (laughs) (laughs) 905-645-3221, or star 9900, or send me an email, radley at 900chml.com. I bet you there's not five people, and the five that did probably picked up their
3: bike and beat someone over the head with it. Perhaps I'm living in a world of delusion. Sorry, I, I, I just always accepted that ultimately that people with bad biking habits did get penalized. Oh, you can? The laws are there to say you can get penalized. You're just saying that they're not enforced.
1: Who? When was the last time you saw a cop or a bylaw person or whatever standing on the side of the road with a cyclist writing them a ticket for riding on the sidewalk or for running a red light or for riding on the wrong side of the road or pick your poison? And so if we're and I got no, I have no problem, Luke. I have no problem with the city cracking down on drivers who abuse the bike lanes. I have no problem with that. None. But it seems then that if the drivers can be penalized for screwing with the cyclists, then the cyclists also bear some responsibility in this city. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've driven near
0: a lot of terrible cyclists in in this city, and I've seen a lot of terrible cyclists. i got to be honest, as someone who rides the bus, the uh, uh, King and James, where I take my transfer to get, get down here to the studio, it's like every day there's somebody who bikes past on the sidewalk. Sidewalk's super wide there, but there's always a lot of people there. And every time, it's like, how is this even happening? Because the police are very often around that area. The bike cops are usually sitting somewhere there, and never, never seen someone get ticketed. So I absolutely think that cyclists should, and and that's coming from a person who enjoys biking and and is going to be biking to work starting relatively soon. So I, is it too much to
1: ask for responsibility, Liz? I did it again, Liz. <laughs> I was. I talked about this on the show several weeks ago. I was driving to work and saw someone. Uh, they were coming up beside me on a on a not a moped, but like a a motorized scooter. Yeah, but beyond that, it was almost it was basically a motorcycle. And so I'm in my car and up the bike lane beside comes this thing, and you don't expect a bike to go that fast. No. And so I looked. I was you know I didn't expect it. If I had suddenly decided to pull over and that thing comes up so fast and I had cut it off and it hit me, I'm at fault. Even though I had no reason to expect a motorized cycle, a motorcycle to be in that lane. I don't think that's what it's about. To me, I'm fine with cracking down on cars, but we should also be cracking down on cyclists in this city. Let's make it safe and fair everywhere.
2: I can agree with that because, I mean, I know in my own personal experience, I've had it too many times where I've tried to turn and a bike is right there trying and just going. There's not any stopping. They're just going and doing their own business. That's happened way too many times. I think there should there should be an education for uh, not bicyclists, uh, bicyclists, Um, not so much like a driver's ed course, of course, but like there needs to be some strictness to this. Like, yes, let's make this that we're a fluid city, that we can use our bikes, that we can have this these options available to us. But you know what? It's at, at the end of the day, car versus bike. I don't want to be that person in the car, and I don't want to be the person in the bike either. We need to be safe one way or another. So getting more strict on bikes, I'm totally okay with that.
1: I suppose that probably if a, if a cyclist has been fined or penalized or ticketed, probably... It has something to do they probably there probably was an accident. it was probably when they a pedestrian was hit by a bike or something, and maybe it when there was an injury it led to a a ticket but i honestly, I cannot remember ever seeing a bicycle being pulled over for running a red light and i 've seen bicycles do it right in front of police officers you're at 're at an intersection and shoop right there you go right through right through
0: i I can only think they just they don 't think it's worth it, i guess because because in a situation but where is a it not about safety? Is this well,
1: whole thing not about? Is bike lanes and everything else? Is it not about safety? And is part of safety not prevention? And if prevention is stopping cyclists from doing something stupid, because if you say it's not worth it, well, what happens if a car well, doesn't see them and hits them going through that intersection? But, but that's that's the key here: is when
0: they're running a red light, the person they're putting at risk is themselves. And and I partially agree.
1: partially <laughs>
0: driver
3: if, will get blamed.
0: The driver will get blamed, but. I don't know. It's it's. I don't agree. I, I think the cops absolutely should be stopping that person that is running the red light as a cyclist. But but at the same time, I can see them sitting there and being like, "Well, if he gets hit, it's
1: his own fault." No, and, and no. he's the one who gets hurt. So, but they're not going to say they're not going to say it's your own fault. In fact, it, you know, to the contrary, you know who else is going to get in trouble if that happens and the police haven't reacted? The cop probably gets in trouble. Absolutely. If you sat there and watched the guy do it, and then five seconds later he gets hit by another car or something, I mean, it's look it. It is, to me, part of having a bike-friendly city. If you're arguing that we are putting in bike lanes and doing all these things to create a bike-friendly city, part of that means prevention and forcing, requiring, whatever else, the cyclists to also be safe. We just spent, last hour, 10 minutes talking about driving safely on the Red Hill and on the link because part of it is not just the speed limit, it's your driving habits. It should not be any different for a cyclist. To me, it should be no different.
3: And this race is a specter of bicycle licensing, which seems mm. to come up every summer here in the city of Hamilton, where ultimately, if we want to have this ideal of cyclists who do follow the rules of the road, cyclists who can be charged, who can be penalized, who can be forced not to bike, if ultimately they keep on breaking the rules it always comes back to bicycle life. but you just hit it again jacob you are on fire today you just hit it <laughs> it's still there's a, when you say that there's still an implication that he's not on fire on other days i
1: just say uh, i'm no, just pointing not an, out that's that. not an implication that's a that's a known fact oh, yeah no, no, no. it's a truth <laughs> no you just hit it again though why not why is it so difficult to say you know what if we, we are going to crack down we are going to have fines for cyclists and you don't have to have a license to ride a bike in the city but you know what if you get stopped guess what? It's shown that you don't know how to ride safely. You have to get a license now. What's wrong with that? Why would that be so difficult to say that suddenly now there are requirements that if you have shown yourself to not be responsible, then you have to get a license? That makes a lot of sense to me.
2: We actually just had a caller call in saying that um, if a biker has a driver's license and a cop does actually pull them over, they can give a ticket. I'm not sure if that's uh, accurate. I don't have any information. I think in you're front right. Me, I, know, I think but that's correct. If but- that's the case, then. That's to me that's a good thing. So
0: so what happens then if they don't have a driver's license?
2: That's I don't
3: know. Why do you ever bike with ID if that was the case? Well I mean you should always have your yeah, I- your sure. ID on you. That's Yeah because that's when you decide to go biking and get hit by a car it's probably <laughs> yeah. a good when
1: you decide to, to run the ID. red it's good when you're flat as a pancake and your brains have squished out your ears it's good to know who you are so well, they Well if you're scared you of getting a pin. ticket
3: and if you want to break the the rules of the road that might be a temptation for people if they think police are cracking down and they know they can get out of it if they don't have their driver's license or health card. That's true. That's what they're going to do. I just, I, I,
1: it all comes to me back to the same things we were talking about earlier. It's responsibility. And it's, if we're going, if the whole issue with all these things is safety and all these other things, part of safety is your responsibility. It's not just the other guy. It's not just the other guy who's at fault. And so, you know what? Make it so that, make it so that you are responsible. Make it so that if you get caught breaking the law on your bike, then you have to get a, a license. And if you get caught a second time and you were supposed to, like when you're driving your car and you have your license suspended, if you do something stupid, they don't take your car away. They may not catch you. You may be able to drive your car without being caught, but woe betide you if you get caught driving with your license suspended and you don't have it. Well, it should be the same with a cycle with a bicycle. If you are supposed to get a license now and you don't and you get caught the second time, the police put out a special call and the specially designed bicycle wood chipper pulls up beside the side of the road and they just throw your 10-speed in there, right on the <laughs> side of the road. That's the end of your bike. That, see, now, now we've got a solution. It's, it's harsh, but it would work. And you want to know something? You would gather a crowd because it would be highly entertaining. Wait, that's my $5,000 carbon fiber four ounce bike Brrr, not anymore <laughs>
0: i should have got a license <laughs> i i think though a related point the reason why bike licenses will never work in this city is because we're trying to be such a bicycle friendly city when you have something like the Sobi program it's never going to work to say here are these bikes that literally anybody can ride and it's super easy to get on but you need a license Never. So so it'll never Only happen. Only if you have proven that you need a license. But I st- And and as much as I support that, I still don't think it would happen. And e- a lot
3: of- even, even if they were someone that was like a, an offender already. And you'd have to go provincial anyways. A lot of people just bike between cities, whether for tourist reasons or for work. I know someone who bikes up from Hamilton Mountain all the way down to Aldershaw High School in Burlington every single workday. And ultimately, he'd need two licenses or you'd have to do it through the province. That person needs a break anyway. They should buy a
1: car.
0: <laughs> You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to
1: 9 on AM 900 CHML. Now this is a story all about how my life got
0: flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town
1: called bel Daft Punk. I know many of you are fans of the dafts. Along with Will Smith from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. This is just a reminder that after the show tonight, please dust off all your Daft Punk 45s and play them on your... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> On your record player in the base, is that right? I don't think that. Does Daft Punk? Oh, they totally do. They do. Okay. Oh, they totally
0: yeah. do. I, I for one, am glad that the Fresh Prince is back because I'm assuming since I left the Scott Radley show, it's been getting significantly less airplay during TV theme song. Name that tune.
1: Well, during TV theme song, name that tune. When Luke would run the show, you could be sure it was going to appear every single week. It became an automatic for people. <laughs> if I can, if I can be the caller when Fresh Prince comes up, <laughs> I know it's a freebie.
0: Hey, if, if sometimes you had to kind of stimulate the callers a little bit when to fair- get the enough. call
1: and then it's perfect fair enough also
0: you know he last night to it.
1: last night by the way i gotta tell you natalie we had we had we only had four contestants last night because everybody was great we just we could not not that we were trying to but we could not shake the contestants they knew every question just about and so it it, but it restricted the number of people we got through because they were really good other weeks we've gone did through like nine or ten did she be tammy she didn't be tammy yet tammy listen if you don't know what we're talking about and if you're a new listener, tune in Thursday nights sometime. We play a TV theme song. Name that tune. Uh, the all-time record. We have someone. Her name is still up on the wall on a certificate. Tammy, who had eight in a row. That is still the mark to beat. No one has ever. And that was probably...
0: A few months ago. September, she, and, uh, October. And a great story, too. I oh, point fantastic! point out. In the, in the... She's in the hospital visiting somebody. I don't think she ever told us who her she was visiting. Her
1: sister, I believe it was. And, who's, or some family member who's in a rough, rough yeah, spot. And...
0: The lady who was sharing the room with this family member was listening to the Scott Radley show... And they, so they were hearing TV theme song name that tune going on. They were like, we could probably
1: do this. They were and, yelling out all the answers. And
0: so she called in, and not only did she win, she set the record. And I should point out, of those eight, six of them were TV shows that are either airing now or just ended. They were which tough. Which, for TV theme song, is pretty
1: rare. People yeah, rarely the, get new stuff on yeah. that one. And you know, the amazing thing to me is, uh, the rules are, you can't win the same contest twice in a month you can there's it, a month mm-hmm. between yeah. we've never heard from Tammy again no, i she's, thought oh. she's never called back she sent us a lovely email
0: she thanking did. us yeah. for uh, but tammy for is like
1: a she's like a mist she was like a vapor <laughs> she appeared and whew, she was Tammy was off into the wind. But, but I, I Tammy, love that. if you're listening, Tammy, if you're still in the hospital room and this you're overhearing this show again, please call again. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you take another stab at it. I I love, by the way, those weird
0: stories like that. We had we working on the Scott Thompson show. There was the the alligator in the backyard. Mm, Everybody yes. remembers that. Uh, where it was actually when Rick was uh, Rick Zamperin shoot was, him
1: Liz shoot him you ever watch <laughs> Swamp People it was shoot when, him Liz
0: <laughs> it was when Rick Zamperin was hosting and so he's got somebody from Big Ray's Reptile Zoo on and, or Little Ray or whatever it's called and suddenly my phone rings and I pick it up uh, hi uh my name's Walter. I think you guys are talking about me on the radio, and and it was the guy who had made the video of the alligator. He's just he happened to be driving by our station and was listening to us, and and we were talking about him. I that's the stuff, honestly. That that is my favorite part of it. I was
3: blown guy. away by that segment because you can't plan stuff like no, that. Whenever no. these stories happen, you try to contact them often. You can't find contact information, and often when you reach out, it's no. I have enough media attention. The story's out. It's good enough. But sometimes. The person calls. Yep. And it's that he magical just, moment. He was listening and <laughs> it, is, uh, it was a
0: great phone call to get because honestly I said, "I was really? Yeah. Like you're actually him?
1: Well, what is, is particularly interesting to me about this evening, by the way, I should just point this out, is um, that I'm able to have between phone calls uh, uh, some kind of conversation with Liz in hours that are not so early in the morning. See, Liz is <laughs> set up. Liz produces Bill Kelly's show and Scott Thompson's show. So she is finding guests And whenever I appear on Bill Kelly, I get a phone call at some unearthly hour of the morning that always wakes me up. And And a perpetually cheery Liz Russell (laughs) is saying, hey, can you be on the show? And so to be able to actually have a conversation where my eyes are not sealed shut by eye goop from sleeping, and and to know where I am, this is this is good.
2: Hey man, it's always clockwork. I always call you right at seven thirty because I know he's going to be partially awake. <laughs> so if, if it's any earlier, I'm like, there's probably no chance I'm going to get him. But seven thirty, I'm like, this is the marker. I feel like I this, I'm comfortable enough that I can call you and go, hey.
1: The phones are not ringing at this very moment. I, I just know. jinxed it. But so let me go to you first on this one, Liz, because uh, this today. There was a story that is out there that says, you know, that Taylor Swift, big um. singer, uh, she had her trial this uh, week that wrapped up where she was found to have been assaulted. Was it sexually assaulted? I mean, he grabbed her butt. I, I know that this DJ at, what, during a picture. Uh, that, I don't know if that it's, still
0: qualifies as, as sexual assault. But I assault. don't know if
1: the actual conviction was for sexual assault or for assault. But regardless, she, f- she was found to have been a victim that he actually did this. And... In light of this, in two days after, I guess, she has cut off her Twitter feed, cut off her Instagram feed, cut off everything. She has gone social media dark. Now, nobody necessarily really expects she's going to stay off social media because she had millions of followers. But Liz, here's my question to you. If you were able to, would you want to do that? See, I'm, the more things are going on, the more I think, you know, I, I would love to be able to just eliminate social media from my life. Are you a social media junkie or would you like to go dark on the whole thing and say, oh, no, I'm okay to go back in time and live with that? I
2: would love to have a week where I don't pay attention to anything. I don't go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the other things that I'm on, like Pinterest. Uh, It doesn't happen. This job, I think, has made me that way. Uh, Jacob can attest to this. I was away for a week in July, and the BC wildfires happened. And of course, oh, this is just me paying attention to the news. And it turned out a friend of mine was evacuating, and so I messaged Jacob right away, going, "Jacob, I have someone for you. You, this is great. Here you." Go. And he's like, "Liz, you're on vacation. You need to stop." And my friend who's with me is going, "Liz, you're on vacation. You need to stop." And I'm sitting there going, "But seriously, guys, like this is great, right?" To me, it's very difficult to disconnect because I need to know That's what's going exactly on.
1: That's exactly right. It's To me,
3: it's impossible to disconnect right now, and I'm wishing I could figure out a way. Though, ultimately, I just never really got into social media. I have my Facebook. I have my Twitter. It, it's all personal stuff. I try to keep my work life completely separate from my social life. Ultimately, I don't have a persona to run. I'm a producer. I'm not a big shot talk show host like you. Ultimately, <laughs> I can live That's- that quiet life. <laughs> and not get yeah. drawn into this. Jacob the Hermit living under the uh, York Street Bridge. You can find his little quiet. Hut. What? Hey. You can find his hut there. I don't have to worry about cutting myself off. I don't have to worry about exuding a persona for the rest of the world to see. No, it's but it's like, not that. But you I, see, yeah. you're
1: saying you never got into it to start with. Which well, you know what? I, I, if I was, if I was advising anybody who was coming along now, and no millennial no teenager is going to listen to me say don't be in social media I I would be the grandpa dinosaur if I said (laughs) that but the reality is I would be okay if I could somehow shut myself off from it for a good long while I, I've
0: found a good balance,
1: I think, in that when I'm here, it
0: can be exhausting, uh, the news cycle and, and having to have access to uh, the station Twitter feed and Facebook feed. It can be nonstop. But my personal Twitter feed is just, it, it's honestly, it's mostly sports, but it's it's things that I enjoy. And so I don't know that I would be able to give that up, but also when I go home, Unless it's something that was truly like world-shattering, it doesn't come through my social feeds, and so there's a little bit of a disconnect. I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about whatever's going on in the municipal politics when I go home because I have specifically made sure to keep those people out of my personal feeds, so I don't have to look at that you stuff.
1: You know what? This is part of the reason, and I, I, I always hear people say um, – you know, if people are in sports, they say stick to sports, right? We don't want the sports people necessarily to give us world politics or entertainment people, whatever. The problem is it's very difficult not to have an opinion. And so even if you're sure. only following people for something lighthearted, because you know what, your day, you've got enough going on in your day. You just want to step away. It it all intersects. It all intersects. Well,
0: I mean, there is a problem to cutting off as well, just very quickly. The, the day of the uh, Ottawa shooting, I was out of social media for the entire morning because I was out and about doing errands. And when I came in, I had no idea this happened. And Jivko, who was who used to work here. That was another one. Uh, <laughs> God bless him. He didn't do a great job of explaining what had happened. He just said there was a shooting in Ottawa. And I was like, yeah, okay, gun crimes happen. And I came into the newsroom kitchen and our, our big boss, Jeff Story, he's standing there. He goes, oh man, days like these crazy. They make you really think about your own mortality. And I'm going,
1: what in the world is going on here? I don't
0: understand. Yeah. So that there is kind 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 of a detriment to cutting yourself off. What
1: happened, though, long before social media? I mean, we got to go to break, but what what happened to people who were out driving in their cars or going for a walk with the dog on November 22, 1963, (laughs) and what, for an hour they didn't know that JFK had been assassinated? That's a huge story. It's a fascinating thing to think back on. Did their world end because they had to wait an hour before they found out JFK was dead? I don't know. Of course not. Well... Some people might say they did.
3: Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play and listen
0: to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML.